Good morning. How are you guys doing? I would like to take this time to welcome you to the Village Church. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we're rejoicing, and we'll be glad in it. These are our announcements for this morning. Um, after work, after the worship service, Sunday equipping class for all ages, adults in the sanctuary, youth, and the youth youth are going to be in the youth room, and the village kids in the annex. We do have the Enter the Village for students in the annex as well today. Church cares training will be at 6 p.m. this evening, and it's at the church as well. On February the 8th, we have corporate uh, corporate prayer at 6.30. The topic will be justice. That's good. February 10th, the TVC youth serve at the Manor House. The TVC youth serve at the Manor House. TVC youth at the Manor House. Next Sunday, chili cook-off. Check your emails to sign up to bring chili and other items. That should be fun. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship. There are three ways you may give to our vision and mission. Online through our website, mail a check to our address, use the offering box in the back of the sanctuary. These are our announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Now we have the um, worship, worship of preparation, I mean the word of preparation. <sighs> oh God, you pour out the spirit of grace and love. Deliver us from the cold hearts and wandering thoughts that with steady minds and burning zeal, we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Now we have the prayer of preparation. Let us pray. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures. Lord, you are good because you do the things that nobody else will do. You go to distance where most people will not go to distance, Lord. You do what we are not capable of doing, and we want to say thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that your blood does cover a multitude of sin. Thank you, Lord, that you've taken away the sting of death that we may never see it. Thank you for the grace that you give us on a daily, Lord God. Thank you for giving us the mind of Christ where we can be called a friend. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, Lord God when we don't even love ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you always make a way and give us a way of escape away from sin. So I ask right now that you will forgive us for our sins for this week, sins of omission, sins of commission. There's a lot of things, Lord God, that we have not represented you where we have not honored you. But Lord, you're so full of grace and mercy, Lord God. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the body of Christ, Lord God to go out and carry and to torch and your name out to the people that don't know you. Thank you for a life that we could live before mankind and they would draw, be drawn to you for your words. Say, if you be lifted up, you shall draw all men unto yourself. Thank you, Lord God, for your word, for it is true. Thank you, Lord God, for what we have, something we have hope that we put our trust in. Thank you, Lord, for carrying us through the week, Lord God. Somebody did not wake up this morning. 
But, Lord, you woke us up, Lord, with strength and energy, our blood pressure intact, our temperature gauge intact, and you woke us up in our right mind. Thank you, Lord, for the protection, Lord God. Nobody, the enemy did not come in while we were asleep. Thank you, Lord God, for our jobs, how you make provision for us, Lord God, that we may provide for our families and we may eat, Lord God. We can't take these things for granted. Thank you, Lord God, that you called us to be holy for you are holy and you're preparing a place for us, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we continue to uphold the blood-stained banner, Lord, in your name, that we will represent you well in the communion. Lord, I pray that this church will be a beacon on top of a hill. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that uh, your name will be lifted up today, Lord God. I pray for the, the pastor that he would decrease, that you would increase in him, Lord that you will empower him by your might and your spirit, Lord God. And that I pray, Lord, that they will have there will be ears to hear your word and there will be conviction, Lord God. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen, amen, and amen. Now we will have everyone to please stand if you're able. We're going to do the call to worship. based on Psalms 27 and, and John 4:23. <clears throat> I will read the first line and you guys will read where it says people. Let us worship God, our light and our salvation. The Lord is We desire to live in God's house and to seek God in his holy temple. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Let us worship. Good morning. How are you guys? Awesome. This first song is going to be Leaning on the Everlasting Arm. What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace of mind Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning, leaning on the
singing amen. How much to see my sins upon that cross. Sing I'll never, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross. Cause here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together. you for who you are, our Father, Savior, Redeemer. We thank you for being our stronghold, for stepping down into darkness for us. Lord, we we truly believe you are worthy and wonderful to us, Lord. We thank you for all the many ways you have blessed us today, for our church, our communities, our families, our health, our minds. Lord, you don't guarantee these things to us, and we, we are so grateful to you for them. Without you, all of this was nothing. We praise you and thank you for the grace that you shower us with as your people. Humbling yourself to come down to earth, fully man and fully God. Sacrificing your life so that we may live in communion with the Father. Amen. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Isaiah 30, 15. Join me for a minute of silent repentance to God and reflect on that. Thankfully, God doesn't leave us to wallow in our sin. He reminds us uh, in Isaiah 30:18, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who, who wait for him. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
Scripture reading this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Um, please stand if you are able to. Um, so Matthew 6, chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're now going to have a time of prayer supplication. That is a time for us to go to the Lord and bring to him um, any needs that we may have in our own life or make intercession for those that we know are dealing with all sorts of things in their life. So please join me in a word of prayer. Father God, we want to come now and, and bring to you our prayers of supplication, Lord, praying into the, the sufferings of the world, 
praying into the sufferings of our community, praying, Lord, that you would meet all of our emotional needs, Lord, as we deal with sick loved ones, as we deal with even, you know, aging pets who may need to be put down, the grief that comes with that. Lord, just pray that you provide comfort, Father, to our bodies. Pray for those who may be recovering from surgeries, Lord, that you would provide healing. Those who are dealing with any medical condition, Lord, that you would give them some peace, some answers, some solutions. And I also pray you give them comfort, Lord, as they struggle, as they just try to make it one day, Lord, one day at a time. Father, I pray for our country. I pray for wisdom for our leaders. I pray for wisdom for our local leaders here in Huntsville, that that they would lead in wisdom, be good leaders. I pray for the leadership of our church, that you would give us the humility to lead well, the humility to admit when we make mistakes, and help us to always be transparent. I pray for our body, Lord, that you, through the power of your spirit, you will continue to grow us into a beautiful, diverse community, Lord, where we really do do life together and that we work through conflict in ways that are healthy, Lord. I pray for our marriages, Lord, that you will give spouses the grace that they need to love one another, Lord to serve one another well. And I pray for the health of our marriages. And I also pray if there's any type of abuse going on in our church and in our families, in our homes, that all that's what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. I pray for our kids, definitely our teens, as they deal with all sorts of things, Lord, that I never had to deal with as a kid. I didn't have Facebook and smartphones as a teen. But, Lord, they are dealing with so much information. So I pray that you give them wisdom as they navigate friendships, as they navigate social media. I pray for our our babies who will be going to college soon, that you will lead them into a a good place where they can have good community and a healthy church to be a part of. And, And I pray for the parents who will be sending these kids off to school, that they will trust you with their babies, Lord. And I pray for our little ones that they will learn from our church that, that Jesus loves them. That you will give our um, SEC teachers wisdom, Lord. Give Mary wisdom. Give Tiffany wisdom and our nursery workers wisdom and our volunteers wisdom as they lead and help disciple the kids of our church. Teaching them about Jesus to reinforce the things that they are learning at home. Holy Spirit, we know there are no perfect communities. There are no perfect churches. But they can be healthy churches. And I pray that you continue to make us a healthy place where broken people can come together to embrace and extend Christ's love. None of us are without issues. All of us probably need some some sort of therapy for something. So I pray, Lord, that we will be kind and gracious to one another. Help us to give one another the benefit of the doubt. Help us to extend grace to one another. 
Help us to be able to extend the same mercy that we receive to you, to one another, and also to those who, who are outside our community, Lord. Help us as, as a church be the, the salt and light of the gospel to one another and the salt and light of the gospel here in our community. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do this for our good and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome you all again to the Village Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Alex. I am the senior pastor here. So thank you all for joining us today uh, for worship. So happy Black History Month uh, for those of you who celebrated. Uh, this is the month where, uh, where African-American contributions to America will be celebrated and highlighted. First, we get to reflect on my ancestors' past contributions to our country. So we get to reflect on that history. And second, we get to respect, you know, African Americans' present contributions to our nation. And third, we get to even rejoice that, that African Americans will continue to contribute to America in the future. Because black history is American history, right? Likewise, Christians can adopt a similar approach to prayer. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? In prayer, we get to reflect on God's past faithfulness in our life. When was the last time you reflected on God's past faithfulness in your life in prayer? We just sit down and reflect and meditate. In prayer, we get to respect God's present faithfulness to us. Right now, at this very moment, God is presently faithful to you. Now, you might not feel it. You might not see it, but he is presently faithful to you. So in prayer, you get to, re- you get to respect that faithfulness. And then in prayer, you get to rejoice that you will experience future faithfulness from God. Do you believe it? So in prayer, we get to re- re- reflect, we get to respect and we get to rejoice with the faithfulness of our God. Today's sermon text is just one verse. It's Matthew 6, verse 11. And it says this, Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And here's the main point of this message. Because God is our Heavenly Father, we can depend on Him to make provisions for us. Because God is your Heavenly Father, you can depend on Him to make provisions for your present and for your future. Please pray with me. Pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come now to the preaching of the word, I pray that you will bless it. Because if you don't, the word will fall on hard hearts. Unbelieving hearts. Unteachable hearts. So, from the pastor and everyone that's here and everyone that's tuning in, help us to come with open hands. To let the great physician do what he does best. Work in our hearts. 
work in our minds, work in our uh, emotions, holistically. So Holy Spirit, do all of this for our good. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I don't know if you have ever heard of the the Greek um, short story called The Gardener and His Dog. The Gardener and His Dog. So the gardener's dog stumbles into a well while playing near it. And the gardener observes, you know, what happens. And then he sprints to help his dog. He stretches his arm down into the well, hopes to to rescue his, his best friend. Then all of a sudden, pain rushes up his arm because the dog bites his hand. Dog bit him. So hurt and annoyed, the gardener said, how ungrateful. I came solely to offer my assistance. The gardener pivots, marches away, leaves the dog in the well. The dog bit the hand that fed him. And sometimes we do too. Sometimes we do too. Sometimes we beat, we bite the horizontal hands that feed us, right? Other people. Ungrateful kids bite their parents' hands. The, the, uh, the, alliance, the alliance of motion picture and television producers, they bit the hands of the writer's grid of America because you can't write, you can't produce no shows if you ain't got no writers. Overly demanding bosses bite the hands of good employees. And not just in those relationships, we also bite the vertical hand that feeds us. Who's the vertical hand that feeds you? The Father in heaven. Christians, even if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you still can bite the vertical hand that feeds you. Well, how does that look, Pastor? Well, a complaining spirit because you're never satisfied. Coveting your classmates' iPhone 15 made with titanium. (laughs) A lack of contentment with where you are and where God has you. Evying the ministry of other people, the houses of other people, the shoes of other people, the gifts of other people. And then there's jealousy. Those are the ways in which Christians bite the hand that feeds them. Because many times when we do that, we're cursing our own blessings. When we bite the vertical hand that feeds us. How have you bitten God's hand this week? Sorry if you feel like I'm staring into your soul. I'm not, not trying to. That's why some of you don't want to make eye contact. How have you bitten God's hand this week? Not just for the adults, youth, kids. How? Now, whatever the Spirit just revealed to you, what should you do with that? One word, repent. Repent. And then the fruit of that repentance 
is learning to avoid biting God's hand. How do we avoid biting God's hand? So if if you are non-Christian, you're biting God's hand right now because you continue to run for him. You continue to run for him. So for you as a non-Christian, avoid running from God. Stop running from him. In Matthew 4, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, what did he say? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand. His hand. He says, I'm here offering my hands out to you. And so if you don't know Christ, Christ came so that you can grab hold of his hand, hands that that have a hole in them because he has to go to the cross and and die for you and for all your sins. And so he did all that to give you a hand up, to get you a hand out of the pits of hell so that you can be transferred into the kingdom of light. There's no other name given under heaven by which you can be saved, by which you can have peace. And that hand comes from the hand of Christ. It's his hand. And he's calling you, extending his hands out to you, saying to you, come. Why spend money on bread that does not satisfy? Why spend your whole life getting the whole world and in the very end you're going to forfeit your very soul? Why? You can have everything the world has to offer and you still won't have peace and happiness because your heart will remain restless until it rests in Jesus. Please know that. Restless. You're going to move on from one thing to the next trying to find a Savior. When that thing wears off, you go to that relationship. When that relationship wears off, you go to here. If that doesn't work, well, you go, let me gamble, see if that makes me happy. If that doesn't work, well, let me just travel around the world, see if that'll make me happy. You hop. You hop from things to things trying to find happiness. How is that working for you? Are you actually happy? When you're laying in the bed at night, when, when there's no friends, there's no cameras, the, the phone is put up, and it's just you in the dark standing up at the ceiling, are you really at peace? If you don't have Christ, you're not. You think you do have it, but you don't. And so you can avoid running from him, come to him in saving faith, and he will receive you. Now, if you are a Christian... What about you? How do we bite God's hand? We can avoid laying up treasures in America. Oh, yeah, there's there's treasures. There's three national treasures in our country that Christians covet. Power, prosperity, that's why some of you going to college. You get that college degree because you want some of those things. We want political power. We want prosperity. We want to have the nice things. And we definitely like our privileges, which is our rights as American citizens. Just in case you don't know, our, our American rights are not kingdom rights. We just have those rights because we live in America. They're not kingdom. They're not distinctives over God's kingdom. They can be taken away, and God will still love you. And so, as Matthew says later on in Matthew 6, 
He says, God, you cannot serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. So as Christians and, and as we do life in a culture that offers us these natural treasures, we, can, uh, we bite God's hand when we replace him with those things. When we replace him with those three treasures. What we're saying is, these are, the, these are my gods. These are my golden calves. And if I have them, then I'm going to have my best life now. God never promised you that. He never promised you that. That next you can, you can how do we avoid biting God's hand? We can avoid it by, by, we can avoid the daily anxieties about our life. I'm not talking about chronic anxiety where you need to go to therapy, you got to take medication. I'm talking about just normal anxiety. So if you're dealing with the anxiety that gives you panic attacks, you need to go to therapy, you need to see a counselor. We're not talking about that. Because you, you can just you can preach the gospel that all day long. It ain't gonna help. Sometimes you need medicine. That is the gospel. So go see a therapist. I'm talking about just the normal worries of life. And John talks about those later on. Matthew talks about those later on in Matthew six verses twenty five to twenty four. He talks about worrying about your life, worrying about your food, or you're just gonna wear. He tells them, look at the birds of the air. Doesn't God feed them? Aren't you more valuable than birds? If God would feed them, the lesser form of create, less, lesser forms of creation, will he not also do the same for you? Diana was in, went to a, uh, a dinner with her, her boyfriend. So they go to her boyfriend's best friend's house for dinner. And so at this dinner, they're celebrating the, the uh, friend's engagement. He's going to get it married. So when she gets to this dinner, she sees someone from her past at the dinner, and it unravels her. In fact, it messes up the whole evening. Because what Diana began to experience is that she began to have anxiety about the fact that her past has caught up with her, with her new boyfriend. And some of us have anxiety about our past. We fear somebody's going to know. Somebody, I'm in community, with our work, they're going to find out. And so we worry about it. We obsess about it. And, and, and part of not biting God's hand is being able, can you trust him with, with, with your past, with what you did and even what happened to you? Can you trust him with it? So you can give him that, and he will help you get through it. You don't have to be enslaved to what happened years ago. There's freedom. And again, it may require therapy. It may require help. It may require a third party. And that is all means of grace. And so we can also avoid the, the anxieties about, you know, our life going off track. Some of us worry. Some of us can't even enjoy life because it's like, is that shoe getting ready to drop? That's me. I, I, I sometimes, like, when things start being too good, I'm like, it's a trap. It's a trap. I can't even enjoy the good time because I'm worried about the shoe going to drop. It's going to drop. I'm going to get a phone call. Something's going to happen, and it's going to drop. And so you, you're so consumed with what could happen that you can't even enjoy being in the moment of blessing because you're worried about 
how does that work out for us? And then we can we have anxieties about the possibility of our future. And it all starts with what if statement. But what if this happens? Well, what if it don't happen? How about that statement? What if it doesn't happen? And so most of us have a, a, a stronghold on our life. We're choking it. And releasing that grip requires us to bite our hand instead of God's hand. It's time for us to relinquish control over our lives and surrender it to him. It's time. Amen statement. Y'all should know now. Y'all should get to the point where you know when I'm making the amen statement. It's time for us to relinquish control of our lives and surrender it to him. And you may have to do that daily. That's not something you just do one time. It's all right, God, you got it. No, every morning, every morning, you got to give it over to him. Because you want to take it back. And sometimes we do take it back. If you ever go, if you ever go to a uh, neighborhood pool, you know, you sometimes you see parents, dads, and the little kids in the pool. And sometimes you may even see a little kid jumping into the pool towards the dad. And the kid may even be afraid. But the dad is encouraging the kid to jump. I did that with, with my kids when they were younger. And so the kid is afraid to jump. But the dad is there encouraging him, I got you, or her. Just jump, I'll catch you. If you jump, I will catch you. I got you, okay? And so that's what life is like for us. Jumping into the pool of life while trusting Jesus in every success and failure is surrender. Okay, you still got to jump. You still got to make decisions. He didn't never he promised safety, but he promised, I'm here. So we gotta jump into life. Jump into the circumstances. There will be success. There will be failure. And that's okay. Because Jesus is there with you. So we can avoid the pursuit of treasure in America by believing we already possess the greatest treasure in the world. Do you believe, as a Christian, you have the greatest treasure in the world that has ever existed on the face of this earth? Because the one who created it all calls you his beloved. What can this world give you that can top that? And not only has he called you beloved, he sent his only begotten son. To die for you while you were his enemy. You got you to You became a beloved. You are an orphan who became beloved. You are a sinner who became a saint. You were God's enemy before he saved you. You weren't his homeboy. You weren't in his. You, you weren't in his club. You weren't part of his entourage. You were giving him the middle finger. But he said, I'm going to die for that person. I'm going to make that person my treasure. I'm going to make that person my child. Man, if that does not 
do something to your soul, if that does not lead you into worship, I ain't got nothing left for you. I don't care what songs we sing. If the fact that what Jesus done does not excite you, I ain't got nothing else for you. Sometimes we choose less than what we are worthy of. We settle building sandcastles in the mud, not realizing we already got a resort. And I stole that from C.S. Lewis, I think. So when we live pursuing treasures in America, when these things, you're choosing less. You're choosing something that's less than. Because you already have all the love, all the acceptance, all of God's mercy at this very moment. Even when you fail. There's nothing you can do to change that. There's nothing you can do to change it. We can avoid the the normal anxieties of life by trusting that God our Father is in heaven. Trusting in him. The fourth petition of this prayer, this is how we fight, y'all. This is how we fight. Prayer is how we fight. That's why people always, some people refer to prayer as going into your, to, to the war room. Because it's you getting in. All right, let's do this. Let's fight so we can engage life this way. We can step out in faith this way. We can depend on God to make provisions for us. We pray this prayer corporately because no, notice how does the prayer begin? It doesn't say my father in heaven. It says our father in heaven. These are corporate petitions that we make as a body together. So we're saying as a body, our father who is in heaven, please give us our daily bread. Not just me, all of us, our daily bread. Now y'all got me sweating. Now I got to turn on the fan. Lord Jesus. One of my, me and my wife, we like to play board games. And there's one board game she doesn't like to play with me. And it's called Scrabble. I'm a bad speller, but I beat her almost all the time. So she gets so mad. And so with this game is that one player in this game, if you know how to play Scrabble, in this game, one player can can challenge the validity of a word formed by another player. Like this is actually a word. And so what you do is that you got to go to the dictionary and look it up or some word source to check the word that's in question. So Matthew is getting ready to be questioned about a particular word in verse 11. So it's a word that, is it really a word? Is this really a word? This Greek word is... Epeuzion, Epeuzion, E-P-I-O-U-S-I-O-N. This word doesn't appear in any Greek language except here in this prayer in Matthew 6, 11, and in Luke 11, 13. Not in Homer, it's not in any of the Greek philosophers, Aristotle, Plato. It only occurs right here. And so a challenge has been issued to Matthew. So pull out the dictionary, consult your lexicon, engage in a Greek word study, review different translations. Because maybe Matthew is making up words. He is a tax collector, right? (laughs) Say it ain't so, Matthew. 
say it ain't so. Maybe he has even become a hashtag. Hashtag make sure it works. Hashtag not a real apostle. Hashtag just like a tax collector. So Matthew has to set the record straight. Okay. So he decides that he's going to sit down with Shannon Sharp on Club Shay Shay. And he had to say to all his doubters, y'all just don't understand the meaning of these words. Because the word does have a meaning. It's an all-inclusive word. Espe uzion is an all-inclusive word. It's daily bread. It's sufficient provisions. It's life necessities. It's Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Give me enough food to live. Neither too much or too little. For if I'm too full, I might become independent, saying, God, who needs him? If I'm poor, I might steal and dishonor the name of my God. That's what that word means. Give me what I need. Not too much, not too little. Give me my life necessities. That's epeuzion. It's Exodus 16, 4. Manna from heaven. Bread sufficient for the day. Because when God, when the people of Israel had over get up manna, they couldn't hoard manna. They worrying about the future. He said, no, just take what you need for the day. Because why? I'll give you more tomorrow. This all goes back to trust. Epe Uzion is also Acts 2, 45. Did you know that communion of saints is a daily bread. It's a daily bread. It's a necessity if you are a Christian. Only in America can being, being in the communion of saints seen as optional. Of course, we have other options, other responsibilities. But being together with other believers is epeusion. It is a daily bread. It is a necessity. We are not meant to walk this life on an island. We are meant to walk this life in community. Remember, this prayer is a communal prayer. Give us our daily bread. All the things that we need for ourselves individually and everything we need for ourselves as a community. As a community. It's Deuteronomy 8.3. God's word is epeusion. We don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You need this too. You need his truth. You need his word. Do you meditate on it? Do we, do we, do, how often are you feeding yourself spiritually from God's word throughout the week? We're not talking about sitting down, having the, the traditional quiet time where you do the interpretation, the observation. I'm just saying... It could just be one verse that you meditate on. Do what works for you, as long as you get it inside of you. One Jewish scholar says, Epeuzion is the nourishment provided by God's mercy day to day. That's Lamentations 3. His mercies are what every morning? New. And his faithfulness will never come to an end. That's the bread we ask him to give us. That's what we pray daily. Before there was just love and turbo coffee, there was my first love, Panera bread. So she was. She, that was my first love. So 
when I used to go there, this is the one on, on airport, there was a young lady who used to work there, and she had, you know, tattoos, sleeves on her arm. And so one day I just asked her, I said, what's the story behind you know, your tattoos? Because I, I think most folks get tattoos. It's some story or some self-expression. She said, these are, these are self-expressions of who I am. They, and they tell certain stories about who she is. Your heavenly father has a tattoo. Do you know what it is? It's tattoos of his people. Isaiah 49, 16 says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Your walls are always before me. You think that you there singular or plural? Plural. That's a lot of people. Because that's a big hand. Think about what that means. Like, does God love me? Man, he, he tattooed your name on his hand. You can't get no more loving and personal that, than that. He has, I have engraved it on the palm of my hand. That means he has you. He has you. Your past, your, your present, your future, all of you, he has you. And so we can depend upon him to make provisions for us because we are his beloved people. When you look in the mirror in the morning, do you speak affirmations over yourself? Or do you curse your own self by talking down to yourself? You are beloved. And sometimes we got to get up in the morning to remind ourselves of that. I am God's beloved. He likes me. I am his. I'm engraved in the palm of his hand. You speak to yourself more than anybody else in your life. Do you speak blessings over your life or curses? If you don't love you, how can you let other people love you? How can you let God love you if you don't love you? And speak kind to yourself. Let's accept God's hand instead of biting it. We have to accept his hand of discipline and his hand of comfort because it's both. It's both. We felt his hand because sometimes his hands heals us and sometimes it breaks us. His hand can move us forward, but it also holds us back because of he, because we don't always know everything. No, my son, that, my, my daughter, there's a, there's, a, there's a cliff coming, so I'm going to hold you back. And that's love. And once you begin to accept the, no, the vertical hands of God, accepting his kindness for you, it changes how you use your hands horizontally. You want to know if you're growing in your faith? How do you love other people? That's a good indicator. Am I, am, am I, am I learning to accept what God is doing in my life? How does that work itself out in how you deal with the people in your life? That's a good indicator. Because as God is kind to us, it lets us use our hands to help other people. We, we help them. We, 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 work, we, um, we walk alongside of them. And it also allows, gives us the humility to let other people help us. Because some of us are prideful and we don't think we need help. Everybody needs some help. And so for some of us, when accepting God's hands, it means 
letting other people bring you a meal. Finally, say, yeah, well, I can use your help on this project. Yeah, I'm having trouble with my kid. Yeah, I can use some counseling. Can we get the coffee and talk? This church, broken people coming together, that's by, that's intentional. Because we can come in here and fake it all day long. But I know you got broken, like I got broken. We all have it. But the good news is that God can use it, and he can use it in the lives of other people, and he can still bring, bring hope to all of us. God's generosity frees us to be generous as a corporate body and as individual Christians. It frees us to do that. The more we are accepting his hands towards us, it frees us to use our hands this way in ways that bring healing, justice, reconciliation, speaking truth to power, helping the least of these. It works itself out that way. It frees us to, to go out. Because if we are asking God to meet our needs, wouldn't we want the same thing for other people? Definitely those who are in the household of God. Paul says in Galatians 6.10, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. In the Greek, it means everyone. Regardless of political view, regardless of their view of sexuality, regardless of their view of gender, regardless if they're going to vote for Trump or Biden, regardless if they're Democrat or Republican, it says, let us do good to everybody, especially to those who are of the household of God. That's us, to one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have powerful hands, but your hands are good. You have hands of a healer, hands of a comforter. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, as we go the rest of our day, as we head back into uh, the world this week, let us learn to accept the hands that feed us, where it is vertical or horizontal, Lord. Let us accept them, not bite them. Help us, to, Holy Spirit, to remember God's past faithfulness to us, Help us to remember that in our present, right now in our present, you are with us, being faithful. And also let, let that give us assurance and knowing that whatever the future holds for us, whatever the rest of this year holds for us, whatever we're going to go through the rest of this year, one thing will remain constant, faithfulness of Jesus. And we can have rest, we can have peace, and it can be well with our soul because of our Father who is in heaven. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service?
child of God, but do you believe it? <laughs> Amen. So after this, the benediction, there, there will be a sermon discussion here in the sanctuary. Uh, the Sunday equipment class for the youth will be down in the basement, and the end of the village class for students will be in the annex, as well as the uh, Sunday equipment classes for the, the kids. So here's God's benediction to his beloved people. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way, and the Lord God be with you all. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please uh, greet one another, saints. <laughs>